This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Thank goodness and Greyhound. It is Friday. By golly, we got to the end of another week here successfully. And uh, cheers to all of y'all. It's a little bit cloudy here in uh, God's country in the piney woods of north central Florida in the Mellon Recording stopped. Uh, with the, uh, did we stop something? We okay? I got a command, something we stopped. I don't know what it was. Hope it wasn't us, but I think we're okay. Uh, we're rolling, we're rolling. I uh, hear two or three voices in my ears for those of you who are just watching. We uh, communicate uh, with production and uh, some other things. I'm watching two or three computers. So I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. But at any rate, uh, what I was saying is, uh, Mellon Law Studio has us here. Uh, Mellon Law, 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner in the Florida Gators. And of course, CPSS.net is our uh, crime prevention security and Reese T. McDaniel, who brings you uh, the mugshots, where it's are enormously interesting to people. And we appreciate all that, what you take a look at out there. And uh, hopefully it uh, gives you some uh, pause for reflection. So the uh, interesting thing is coming up here locally is our school board race. I've been getting a lot of uh, discussion about the school board race. And uh, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. It's going to be one of those deals which has significant opportunity to change the uh, landscape of uh, um, the whole community here for the foreseeable future. The educational forefront is um, definitely under siege, if you will, by people who feel that it's been taken over by ideology and uh, items that don't really pertain to the, so to speak, three R's. Um, it's interesting that uh, this is not just going on here locally. <clears throat> the Washington Examiner has uh, taken a look at just mathematics. And I know quite a few people who are math teachers, and they've expressed the same kind of depressing fact to me uh, that millions of dollars have been wasted on attempting to shoehorn critical race theory and other woke concepts into math curricula. And to the math people, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the last place you want to try to force the uh, so-called uh, woke concept into the curricula. And then what it's meant is that in school districts uh, where students already uh, can't read nor do math, um, the Washington Examiner calls them race hucksters, charlatans. Um, they're getting uh, into the system, teaching them to hate one another because of the color of their skin. This is, I, I, that's about as good a summation as you might find that's going on in our local school board race. Uh, you know, nobody wants to come out and talk about it openly, but that's what it's about. It is about corrupting curricula. 
and it's about the school. Uh, one set of of, of, of candidates is definitely uh, a part of the curricula that is part of the woke, if you will, shoehorn advocates, and others have come out to confront that. And we've had a fired superintendent who's also woke. We know that because of the comments she's made publicly in both um, uh, public speaking and, and written form as well. So it's, uh, it, it's no, you know, no, no secret. The gloves are off and, and everyone is ready to do battle. So what we've got here is a uh, locally, you got to participate. This is a big election. Um, the educational, the Washington Examiner calls it educational malpractice. Um, waste of taxpayer funds on deconstructing, if you will, students' minds. Now, we know some very obvious things that maybe some people don't want to accept. If you can uh, have come to school from a family that has valued education and that has spoken to you in complete sentences with correct grammar and encouraged you to be curious about the world and you've got a mother and a father and all that business, you come to school with advantages. Now, if you come to school with none of the above or partly none of the above, it's almost impossible for the state to make up those disadvantages for you. The state cannot be your, secure, your surrogate father. The state cannot be your surrogate mother uh, because your fascination for uh, numerical and alphabetic systems starts with the encouragement from the elders who are raising you from the time you come into the world. That's no secret. Everyone knows that. So for the school system populated by woke can, uh, uh, members to think that they can somehow correct this by blaming it on systematic racism, um, systemic racism. Um, you, you, you just, uh, you got to face that down. You got to take a look at that and just on the, on the surface say, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make any common sense. So this is really where the battleground is right here locally. Of course, we have a battleground uh, with GRU and the city of Gainesville. We'll get into that in a minute. But this educational malpractice is basically what the Washington Examiner is calling it. And I think you need to take this into consideration. Uh, wokeness, whether it comes on the label of uh, equitable math. I don't know what equitable math is. Social justice math, uh, critical race theory math. Uh, now, if you're going to study statistics and you're going to study probabilities and you're going to study group behavior and use a numerical system to do that, uh, that's one thing. But if you're just going to cram into the tests and the interrogation questions and the rewards for coming up with the quote-unquote right answers about race, um, that's going to obviously not help. It's only going to divide. But it's only obvious to the common sense people. So you'll see this battle coming up right now in our local school board race. Um, Wokeness and math, if you really want to learn math, are completely incompatible. Um, you know, learning math, long division, all your fractions, all that business, uh, 
Um, that's got nothing to do with woke or not woke. Um, in fact, most of the time, it's going to turn out to be nothing more than a distraction. And you're going to actually find a, a system that starts hiring teachers who believe in this and good teachers are going to leave. So that's one of the problems that you have. We have good teachers leaving. There's no shortage of teachers. Someone who is a teacher pointed out to me, there's a shortage of people who want to be teachers. And what's causing them to leave is all this political interference uh, by governments. And I got to tell you, the Republicans are not innocent in this. Um, I think the Republicans are trying to do the right thing, but often they open themselves up for criticism. And you see the standard criticism. Well, you're cramming down, uh, you know, uh, uh, our, the, the system's uh, throat, the, the, the idea. Of, uh, and so they open themselves up to this uh, uh, meritocracy and therefore you are discriminating. Never mind the fact that education is all about discrimination. Education is all about separating into groups those who are similar in behavior and aptitude and uh, ability. Now, you can get them out of those groups if they want to get out, but you can't just, you know, do it if they don't want to come out. So this whole thing, pay attention to what's going on in the school board races. Um, some of this wokeness curricula uh, even disparages concepts essential to math. And I'm just concentrating on math here because the Washington Examiner article does that. It's also, of course, true in language. So you've heard me talk about that. Um, calling Shakespeare an old dead white guy is about as dumb as you can be. Uh, the, if, you, if, you, if you get into wokeness, and we've got a tremendous example of wokeness posted at Wardtop Bulletin Board, where of all places, the dance and theater department at the University of Florida has been corrupted by um, this wokeness. And we've got letters out there posted that were leaked to me by people who were very fearful of being identified. I've always protected their identity because they're still in that world there. They're still teaching and they don't want to have anybody vindictively come back on them for questioning wokeness. It's that bad. I mean, I've got the proof of that. I'm not talking just out of theory here. We're not making this up. OK, so the virtues of hard work, um, being rational, that is understanding how to think. Uh, punctuality, even good grammar, fair-mindedness. Uh, these are habits that students of every race should be trying to cultivate. That's what should be forefront. And when you question these uh, school board candidates, I'm giving you this morning the criteria that you should use when you question them. Do you believe in teaching hard work? Do you believe in teaching reason? Do you believe in teaching punctuality, being somewhere on time and being accountable for your actions? Do you believe in clear writing? Do you believe in fair mindedness? I would ask every school board member this question and every school board candidate, because let's face it, math is hard enough subject. People have a phobia against it. People have phobias against writing, all sorts of things. Um, that is what the teachers are to help you overcome. So the students, ironically, the students who have the most 
to lose from wokeness and this kind of institutionalized uh, deformation, as the examiner calls it, are always the poorer non-white, the poorer and non-white students. So if you come from poverty or you come from a non-white culture, you, you really are in trouble to begin with. And it's not going to be made up by some sort of interjection of a theory because it's too late. You've already left the nest. You've already left home absent the respect for those qualities. So it's ironic that these, I suppose they are well-intended. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I suppose they think they're doing the best thing. But they're actually doing, and all the studies are showing this, uh, the wrong thing. You're teaching them that they're, they're, they're somehow handicapped when they're not. You're actually putting in their heads something that's not true. So what it ends up doing, this critical race theory, it ends up being a, 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 an excuse, if you will, for failing. And you just don't want to get into that. That's not what teaching's all about. So uh, that becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. The critical race theory, okay? Let me, let me repeat it before you. Examiner's written about it. Thomas Sowell has talked about it. Jason Wiley's talked about it. The critical race theory becomes a excuse for failing at life. And who else enjoys this false god, if you will, are the liberal left, who, by teaching the poor and non-white this, they are actually handicapping them. So um, get a get a get a get a moment with these candidates and ask them these questions. Um, we uh, we. We think you deserve answers, and these are uh, lucrative jobs. I mean, they get paid well. Um, they're very influential in the school board races. So I, I would suspect that you ought to have a have an interest in that. And if you need any help on what to ask, there you are. You can refer back to the show. Now, in terms of the local city races, which I hear about quite frequently. Unfortunately, the city is probably never going to recover from the boondoggle, okay? And what is the boondoggle? Well, the boondoggle is the biomass plant. The biomass plant is a quintessential example of a handicap that future generations of people who use Gainesville Regional Utilities are always going to have to labor under, okay? They're always going to have to labor under it. The, it's not gonna go away because there's so much debt and there's so much expense at quote unquote, attempting to bail the city out from that bad decision that in foreseeable future, it's never going to catch up. And it's going to have to, ironically, keep raiding the GRU bank in order to make the city function. And the city can't even 
keep records of where the raided money is going. So it's a very dismal scene for the city of Gainesville. Very dismal. I don't think those of you who are paying these GRU bills are ever going to get any relief. I'll just give you one anecdotal moment. It came to me by one of the members of the research team who unfortunately has a medical situation that uh, could be analyzed if uh, this individual underwent uh, an MRI. Well, come to find out the insurance that this individual has would cost the person $900 in copay. Um, so the decision is made already. I can't afford to get the MRI and still pay my GRU bill. Now, this is a choice that's going on to many, <laughs> for many, many people. Do I, first of all, I got to pay my GRU bill. And that is not going down. They've all, they have a little illusion. We'll give you back to the pilot. That doesn't mean anything. And the reason is never going down. We had a perfectly functioning system. Coal. We had a great director, Mark, Mike Kurtz, fired by P. Green Underhand and her crew. And it's never going to recover. I'm not just saying this. This is what the analysts who have been studying this have been telling me. You're never going to recover financially from that unnecessary expense, that huge failure, that huge chasing rabbits down holes. And here we are now, <laughs> a decade later, I guess about, and we've got people who either pay the medical bill or pay the GRU bill. And which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, you got to keep the refrigerator cold. You know, you got to keep the air conditioning running, I guess. So you pay the GRU uh, bill first and let everything else slide. That, I'm telling you, is also a call that needs to be made to Gainesville City Commission candidates. What are you going to do to the financial accountability of the city? It's probably the most important question of all. Everything else precede, uh, uh, proceeds from that. So if you don't have the money or you don't know where the money goes and you keep ripping off the bank and the bank keeps raising the rates, that doesn't make sense. In other words, you're really borrowing the money and never paying it back. And because you're never paying it back, well, of course, from whom you borrowed it is itself more and more in financial jeopardy. So it is a very gloomy scenario for the city of Gainesville Financial. And I suspect that you're going to see what you're seeing on the national scene. The city officials of the city of Gainesville trying to find every nickel and tax they can find in order to support this government, which is running on fumes. And nobody seems to know where the money is or where it's gone or even where they can get it in the future. Now, it's complicated by the fact that you have a land-grant university inside the city limits. 
that doesn't pay any taxes. So who pays it? Well, the landlords pay it. The businesses pay it. Um, the change in the utility rate for a pizza oven is really untenable. They, they, can't, they can't get that back in what they charge for the pizza. So it's, uh, it's ultimately going to affect business. Now, we heard from a candidate a couple of days ago, Michael Rayburn, that he wanted more business. People forever have been wanting more business in Gainesville, and they're not going to get it because business can't afford to be in Gainesville. The only business you see in Gainesville are businesses that function as a provider for students. That's it. Essentially, that's it. That's housing. That's restaurants, uh, transportation, anything that is here to provide uh, lifestyle needs for students. That's what you basically have as a business. Other than that, you don't have business in Gainesville. It can't afford to do business in Gainesville. And to the extent that Gainesville is synonymous with Alachua County, Alachua County loses out to Marion County because there, there's a big enticement to set up businesses there. So this thing with the university is really a two-edged sword. For the one, on the one hand, it champions the city as synonymous with the university. But the university doesn't reciprocate. The university doesn't bring businesses in other than those which are related to students. That's it. I mean, there may be an exception or two here and there you might point out to me, but I've been around here a long time. That's essentially how it functions. So even that is coming under stress. If you're a mom and pop landlord, you're being squeezed out of the mom and pop rental business because of the endless bureaucracy that requires landlord permits, that requires uh, no parking on the yard, all this stuff that is coming down from the city of Gainesville really makes it more difficult for the, the, the mom and pop and who are these mom and pops? They're entrepreneurial type people, and they may be teachers, but to supplement their income, they buy a house and they rent it, and they fix it up, they do all the sweat work themselves. Hopefully the house appreciates, they can borrow on that house, get another house. After a while, if you're willing to take risk and you understand the real estate market, you can kind of build a small little real estate business. But you can't do it if the government is working against you by taxing you and even insurance. The insurance companies pull out of Florida and you're left with that bag to hold also. So when you're talking to these city commission candidates, you need to ask them, I would advise uh, primarily, what are you doing about the financial? Regional transit, for example, buses. It's not a regional transit system. It's a transit system for students. And every once in a while, it has a route for workers. About the only one, which is, I think, in the county was at the time, is Route 75, which goes down Tower Road and swings into the uh, developments down there along Butler Plaza. Other than that, you don't have any 
to speak of regional transit on the east side of town. Uh, we have a recording that we made years ago of Ronnie Long discussing this with Sherwin Henry about how even with their presence as spokespeople for the black culture, they couldn't get buses. Cynthia Chestnut, another one, can't get transportation on the east side of town to any degree of reliability and at the hours and ways in which it's needed. It's primarily a student system and it's subsidized and is and the reason it functions is because of student fees. Other than that, you wouldn't have a regional transit system. They just, it, it's too, it, they don't have the, they don't have the wherewithal. They're short bus drivers now for the buses. I, I don't, last I heard was like 50, I think. It, it, is, it is an amazing number of, um, of people who they need to drive. The, so they, don't think that uh, there's any kind of, of uh, uh, austerity or financial vision. It's just really uh, year to year. And as, of course, you've got the captured audience. You've got the students who are using uh, the the bus, but that's and then you have the others who who maybe have a route, maybe don't. And don't even talk to me about changes in bus schedules and bus times. That's a nightmare for a lot of the people who ride the buses. That's um, it's, you know, and that bus doesn't come on time, or that bus changes its schedule. And you got to go to work. And when you go to work, you're on a time schedule. Whoa, you got a real big problem. So the last thing I want to talk about locally before we take our bottom of the hour break is the 34th Street wall. You know, I don't know how many layers of paint, God knows only, I suppose, are on the 34th Street wall. But it is, in, in a way, it's kind of a, I don't know, billboard or the diary of the daily. Thankfully, the, the, the Danny Rawling situation prevails. At least it did the last time I was there and rode by it. I think there's a fraternity which has taken possession of maintaining that. 1990. Uh, that's been up there since 1990. So that's 10. That's 32 years that's been up there. That's remarkable. That has not been painted over, I don't think. But the other day along the way, when I was riding down 34th, there I saw a huge expanse of the wall devoted to the uh, pursuing the uh, pursuit of the runaway person uh, who got captured by the dog and all that. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. Whoever did that had to put a lot of labor into it. That's, that's a long time, a lot of you know, I wonder if that person would spend that much time working or being a house painter, but that's just me. Uh, I don't know. But now it's all painted over, completely painted over. And uh, I was thinking about this thing uh, uh, about running from the law. Um, there was a, a an older gentleman who taught his children to always think of, of this. If you run from the law, right away, you're guilty. He always taught his kids that. Somehow, somebody's not teaching their kids that. If you run from the law, you're guilty. Until proven innocent. I know that doesn't involve due process, but that is the adage that this man taught his sons. 
If you run from the law, they will automatically assume you're guilty because an innocent person doesn't have to run. So think about that. Now, somebody is having this public argument on the 34th Street wall. Somebody painted it, I suppose, believing that if you ran, it was the cops who were the criminals and you were innocent. And then somebody came along and painted over that and took the position by painting over it that if you run, you're the criminal and the cops are innocent. So I thought that was an interesting kind of back and forth going on on the 34th Street wall. It's always going to be the 34th Street wall. And uh, there's always going to be all sorts of things there. But that public art, if you will, is kind of interesting to keep an eye on. We're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour here now and thank our sponsors and our donors and get back with the weather with you. And then uh, we'll move into uh, what I call a day, the warrant fallout. I'm beginning to uh, categorize and take a look at and note all the fallout is coming from the warrant being issued for the president's personal home. Uh, I'm sure you have too. I want to discuss that with you. The line is open if you want to call in. We'll be right back on the Word Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. 
wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly world man cave. And uh, uh, thanks to Lewis Oil, we bring you the weather. And I always like to bring you the weather in a in just a little bit different way than just today. It's uh, cool, tomorrow it's hot, that kind of thing. Although today it is cooler. It's probably the first cool day uh, we've had in a long, long time. 87 degrees I'm seeing right now, uh, 73 tonight. Uh, it actually... And maybe rain starting soon here where we are. So we're actually beginning to slip ever so slightly. One might feel into the fall weather. It's um, when you know when you're when you know that was when the grass stops growing is when it grows at night. And when you start dipping down below the 70s and toward the 60s, that's when the grass stops growing. And you know that by watching the cattle. Here I am. And they start looking up for supplemental feed because, hey, man, the grass is not growing anymore. So that's just a little aside. Uh, but it's, it's going to be cooler. Uh, you're going to have some stormy weather here and there. But the big story right now is out in Las Vegas. You know, it got slammed with a torrential flash flood. Uh, uh, not recent, not too long here after and uh, and the hotel uh, not too long ago and the hotels and casinos filled with flood water. I was in uh, Las Vegas one year when this happened to us. We could not believe it. That is so flat around there. And you wonder where in the world is the water coming from? And when it comes, there's nothing to stop it. And we were able to get on the last plane out of that airport in Las Vegas before they shut it down because of the rising water. Now, Thursday night, the entire Las Vegas Strip suffered major water damage and uh, casinos turned into rain gutters. The National Weather Service for Las Vegas had issued a flash flood warning. And when they say flash flood, that's what they mean. It's flash and it's on you and it's on you quickly. You don't really have any way to, you know, uh, get out of there out of the way of it. You better be driving at a high rate of speed if you want to stay ahead of it. Um, it flooded some of the city's most iconic buildings. Caesar's Palace was dealing with heavy downpour. Uh, the flood water poured into the diners at the hotel's indoor restaurant. Planet Hollywood suffered major water damage from the flash floods. A torrential rain came down. Um, it was so heavy that uh, a person could barely see the flamingo across the street. It caused the city to suffer major power outages as over 17,000 Nevada energy customers were left without power. Um, um, it was just a sheer huge amount of water making everyone very nervous there because they generally don't see this type of thing. The lightning strikes were intense, more intense. Some people in Las Vegas say they've ever really seen anything like it, quite like it in, in Vegas. Um, so, and the rain isn't going away just yet. They expect it to rain throughout the weekend and, um, uh, the, uh, tapered off somewhat. 
It's, ta- it's causing travel chaos at the Harry Reid International Airport, where we were the last plane out when this happened, when we were out there. We were actually out there skiing. And uh, man, we got out of there because we saw it coming. Weather changed 180 degrees abruptly. So the airport passengers have had to endure these departure delays, which we didn't have to endure. Uh, The delays were averaging over an hour and a half. The airport picked up about six tenths of an inch of rain. Uh, And uh, and that's a lot of monsoon amount for Nevada. So some of the roads, the drivers had to come to complete stop, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there you are. That's the weather in a faraway place, perhaps from where you are. But that's all part of what? Global warming? I have no idea. I mean, you tell me. So some of the top stories right now are uh, there's going to be a little bit more of a cool down now on the East Coast. Uh, We're going to get a little reprieve in the southeast from the steamy air. And uh, we're going to um, um, look back on this summer as being a, 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 we've endured these scorching heat uh, and we've set some, a lot of records for the book. So that's kind of the weather for you now. It's, um, it is what it is. And uh, we just sort of hang on and do the best we can with whatever the weather decides to do to us. Um, just finished talking about the local scene. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the warrant fallout. <clears throat> And call in if you got something to do. We got a phone here open, and that's why we cost us money to have this phone line. So I'm a frugal guy. If nobody uses it, I'm going to stop putting it. I'm going to stop buying it. I mean, heck with that. Why am I going to pay for a phone line nobody uses? That's stupid. So we'll see. If nobody uses it, I'm going to yank it out. <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Hey, buddy, you know, you don't use it, I, I, I take it out. So, um, um, what have we got going on here with warrant uh, with uh, with the warrant fallout? One of the things that they're now trying to say, I suppose sooner or later we'll know. I don't know, is that there was some nuclear secret that uh, Trump had. You know, they're always trying to establish the fact that uh, Trump is nuts and he didn't deserve to have his hand on the nuclear button and all this stuff. Let me give you a story, okay? My good friend who's on the show with me from now now and then, (coughs) who is an experienced State Department official who was actually in charge of nuclear non-proliferation for uh, uh, President Bush, the second President Bush. He worked for Condoleezza Rice, uh, my good friend Ramsey Samurai did. And when Obama took office, Ramsey tells me he was watching that situation on television. And Obama disclosed for the whole world how many nuclear warheads we had. And Ramsey said he almost fell out. No president, nobody ever, ever discloses to the world what kind of hand you're holding in a card game, so to speak. You don't tell the people in the card game, and we're talking now metaphorically, that this nuclear stuff is a game, which it isn't. There's a lot of bluffing involved. There's a lot of, you know, asking for another card, if you follow my metaphor. 
Uh, <clears throat> Obama disclosed a nuclear secret as his, as a president, stupidly and naively, that you, or maybe deliberately, who knows about that guy, and jeopardized the entire secrecy of the nuclear stockpile. I mean, what in the world are they? Did anybody do anything to Obama? Of course not. This is, uh, this is, uh, oh, oh, Lloyd Bailey, I love his comments. Uh, deep state operative, you know. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe so. I don't know who isn't, you know, but uh, 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 I got another funny story to tell you about that. But, but um, my point here is, without uh, the little aside about Connolly's, the little aside, uh, it's, it, you know, the, uh, uh, is that Obama is the focus, Lloyd, of the discussion. Okay, my man. Obama disclosed to the world a nuclear secret of giant proportions that no one, no, it's not codes, Lloyd. It's the number and whereabouts of the weapons, my man. Okay, it's not the codes. All right. So I don't know if he's listening 100% to me, but uh, that's the that's the issue. And uh, I, I think Lloyd knows what a metaphor is. Uh, yes, you change the hand that you're holding. You ask for a, a you, know, you you want to be dealt another car. Yeah, I get you. I get you. But you don't. I don't show you my hand, Lloyd. <laughs> I love it. I, I wish somebody call in and say this stuff. It'd be interesting to talk. I'm gonna yank his. I'm gonna yank his phone line out at the day. You know, nobody uses it. So um, here, here we go with the with the hoax. I guess until proven otherwise, uh, that uh, Trump must have had a nuclear secret. Well, if he did, it's still a secret until the dad gun until they go down there and. And yank it out of there, and they're going to have to make it public because the public's going to demand it to make it public. That's the stupid thing about all this. The public rebound on this is outrageous. They're going to keep the pressure on these guys until they make them say, hey, what the heck do you think you were looking for? And show me the proof that you found it. And listen, we got the same thing going on here with the so-called trade secrets. I'm telling you, there's another shoe fixing a drop in that. I can't talk about it yet. But they are fixing to have another lawsuit level against them for definition of character. I mean, come on. <clears throat> and I, I'm still asking the question, waiting for an answer. Can Omar the tent maker and Barney Fife just disobey Judge Kolaw's order? To, and I checked yesterday after the show, and yes, they have not yet delivered what Kolaw asked for. And what is that supposed to be? When you suppose, if you're the state attorney, uh, you, get to, you get to obey. Listen, Kramer's got in his public statement, I saw it whenever they just uh, removed Warren. I always obey the laws, by golly, and I always prosecute according to the laws, by golly. Well, if you obey the laws, how come you haven't produced the so-called trade secrets that you're charging the guy for having stolen? After a couple of years, you haven't produced them. And don't say, I'm not going to produce them because they're under investigation. That is the biggest cover-up in the world. Well, we can't say anything about it because it's under investigation. Are you kidding me? So you run up the tab on the people, and they don't even know what they're being accused of? And then you have to go get a liar and pay a liar? And then the liar goes before the judge, and then Omar the tent maker 
And he just tells the judge, I just can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And he doesn't do it. I'm really, I'm really kind of still blown away by that. And then the public statement by the state is, oh, we always, we always follow the law. Did you follow that law? Did you follow that law? Well, the Democrat politicians are focused on the boxes of White House documents. This is one of the fallout comments. This is out of Breitbart um, that supposedly Trump kept with him. Uh, but here's this deal. Biden. Let's talk about Biden. I thought this was pretty interesting. Joe Biden's Senate papers. You didn't know this, did you? Joe Biden's Senate papers are still hidden from the public. Okay. Digest that for a moment. Joe Biden's papers, senatorial papers, are still hidden from the public. And we know that Hunter Biden's crap would have been hidden from the public if he hadn't stupidly left the uh, computer at some pawn shop. Biden's Senate papers, oh yeah, you ready for this? Reportedly fill 1,875 boxes. Are you ready? And include 415 gigabytes of electronic records spanning Biden's time in the Senate between 1973 and 2009. The documents include, quote, committee reports, uh, drafts of legislation, and Biden's personal correspondence with his Senate colleagues. This is by the, the investigator on this is uh, uh, a, a J. Dixon Hamilton. And been looking at, thank good, goodness for some real investigative reporters. Biden uh, has documents that include a lot of confidential conversations. Also, during uh, he revealed this on a 2020 interview on MSNBC's Morning Joe. OK, and it is rumored that Biden's documents include a written complaint filed by Tara Reid, who accused Biden of sexual misconduct during an interaction that allegedly took place in 1993. Oh, boy, isn't this what a long tail my cat has. This, this doesn't surprise you, does it? The double standard. Biden gifted his Senate papers, according to J. Dixon Hamilton's investigation, gifted these Senate papers uh, to his alma mater, University of Delaware, which Everybody says he cheated through law school. I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't doubt it. In 2011, on the condition that they would be made public after his tenure as vice president. Oh, really? Well, guess what happened? The University of Delaware changed the paper's release date one day before Biden announced his 2020 presidential campaign. So instead of a December 31st, 2019 release date, the papers will not be released until two. I get this phrase. You, you don't think English isn't important until you, two years after Biden, quote, are you ready? Retires from public life, end quote. But the university cannot give a definition of what public life is. <laughs> I love it. Well, we'll let you know, we'll let you see Biden's papers 
two years after he retires from public life. I don't know what the hell public life is, but it's going to be two years after he retires from it. You know, I, what, are you kidding me? I mean, come on. So Biden claims that the papers could not be released during his presidential campaign. Yet he's calling on Trump to release financial information of his own private business life. But of course, Biden doesn't have a private business life. He, he's a member of the deep state. And the deep state is defined basically as someone who's gotten a check from the government all your natural born days. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Unbelievable. Well, only in America now, people are beginning to believe only in America is uh, destined to be uh, like, you know, all these other places are talking about. Hey, you know, I, I, I tell you something else here. <clears throat> I keep hearing, oh, we're going to take the house. We're going to take the house. My friends, you better be careful. There's a very responsible poll that's been done to examine if that's really so. Now, here's what I've concluded. And you may reach this conclusion with me or may not. The country is divided 50-50. And the 54 Biden and his crowd are not going to change. And the 54 Trump and his crowd are not going to change. Maybe for the next five, six, seven years. Maybe even get worse. If there's such an impasse, there'll be, we've heard the terms, revolution, civil war, all this stuff. Okay? So, notwithstanding, that was a favorite word of Christopher Chestnut, notwithstanding Biden's approval ratings, uh, there's been a CAPS Harris poll, which, of course, has found Biden's job approval at 38 percent. But get this now. In spite of Biden's disapproval rate, the Democrats are still getting 50 percent of the congressional ballot when polled. 50 percent. So what my point, what I'm learning from this is don't take, don't believe this is going to be some kind of uh, whooping. It's going to be, let me just give you an example. Can you imagine what this state would be like under, if Gillum had been the governor? Can you imagine? You know, you know, all these people who criticize the Senate, just ask them, look them in the eye and say, well, would you rather have Gillum? And I will bet you, that they would say yes, notwithstanding Gillum, but because Gillum's a fit for their ideology. You got to keep this in mind now. This is what the poll is, is showing. So the key battleground, according to what they've been looking at, is the economy and inflation. Well, they've been tinkering around with that economy. Notice the gas prices all of a sudden come down. This, that, one, another. They've 
trying to find a way to say we're not in inflation and, you know, and, and the public is so gullible, they probably fall for that. But 90% of the voters say that the U.S. is in a recession now or it will be. And more than 60% say their personal financial situation is getting worse. So when the Democrats have come out with this Inflation Reduction Act, if they can pull off that hocus pocus and make people really believe that, which, you know, if you've already got 50% of the people ready to believe anything you say, then they're not so far out of the race now. They're not so far out of the race. Now, one of the things that is pretty clearly becoming a losing cause for the Democrats is this January 6th inquisition. Most people think it's a huge waste of time. It's an extension of everything else that deep state's been trying to do to Trump, an outsider, since the day he came down the escalator. Impeachment, impeachment, phony dossier, corruption of the FBI, corruption of the Department of State, all of these things, they are really sick of that. But that same 50% of Democrats are willing to believe that Trump nevertheless should face some kind of criminal indictment. And nearly 80% don't want him to run in 2024. And only 71% don't want Biden to run in 2024. (laughs) Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Now, the Democrats, as you know, are excellent at manipulating language and making, you know, two look like three and uh, three look like nine. Um, Really, when you look at all this polling, which is done pretty soberly, I think, with this crowd that I'm looking at, and I'm not finished researching and watching because I'm bringing you hopefully information that you can use to think with. Everything is sort of stuck at the 50-yard line. Um, It's still going to be a crapshoot. And probably... It's going to come down if framed right and you don't have a bunch of rhinos because, you know, there are a lot of Republicans who are also members of the deep state. Uh, it should come down to issues about the economy. But don't count the Democrats out for coming up with little gimmicks and games and slogans and tax reductions and all that kind of crap that will give the casual voter. And I think 90, I don't, this is just a guess, 90% of the people who vote are casual voters. They don't know what they're voting for. They don't know what they're voting against. They have based their vote on the most superficial, visceral of reasons. Um, uh, The one thing it seems to be clear from this poll, that neither the Republicans or the Democrats have a swing voter strategy for independence or people who might swing over from the Republican and Democrat or vice versa. Um, they, they really don't know 
how or have yet any indication of a way of dealing with that. Uh, the younger people, too, are kind of a mystery. Uh, no one knows whether they'll get riled up. If anything riles them up, if it, uh, something hits them over the head. But you see, the young are being bought off by getting and asking for more hourly wage. And so as long as their immediate needs are taken care of, uh, they won't really become informed voters until they have children and have property or something can be taken away from them. Uh, until then, they're really pretty much just uh, kind of like uh, uh, oh, pinball machines. You know, I used to play pinball until my dad said, you put one more nickel in there and you're never going to have another nickel because you get hooked on the pinball machines. But the young is kind of like the pinball machine. They bounce around off of this bang, bang, bang. But they don't get serious until they got something to lose. And that happens generally. You know, that age of 35 to be a candidate for presidency was about right when you think about how long it takes you to come to your senses from your youth. Um, so um, everybody believes what we're looking at here is um, politicized justice. Um, that's what I'm finding so far uh, from the warrant fallout. We have politicized justice. And there's some speculation that the payback is going to be brutal if indeed the Republicans can take the Congress. And that will be kind of nasty, according to one uh, analysis. But as Ted Yoho, my co-host on Wednesday, says, hey, if you're going to have an investigation and at the end of it, you're not going to punish why waste our time with the investigation? So that's all out there to be looked at and wondered about as well. Um, so the warrant uh, fallout is uh, just beginning and it's going to continue, but it's only one more shoe in a closet full of shoes. Um, you know, you go into that closet, and it's going to be like that lady from the Philippines who loves shoes. Um, her closet, oh my God, it looked like uh, uh, hundreds of pairs. There's hundreds of pairs of shoes in this closet. Uh, the latest one has been dropped, and that's this Mar-a-Lago. But there are many, many more. And it's all part of power, power, power. Not what's best for the nation, I would say, but what's best for the power and those who have it who don't want to give it up. Well, have a great weekend. We appreciate production helping us out today. Appreciate all our donors and our sponsors. And uh, we'll see how the cookie crumbles, as they say. Warthog Command Center out.